<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. After a one-week break, we are thankful to be back on the air. Speaking of which, a very happy Thanksgiving to any of our U.S.-based listeners tuning in. And uh, just like a Thanksgiving turkey or tofurkey, we can't be leaving out the vegetarians, today's episode is stuffed with all the juiciest China business news. We're talking about the latest developments when it comes to crypto, global trade, and the metaverse. But first, let's dig into the latest on Sino-U.S. relations. Last week saw some major geopolitical developments after Xi and Biden held their first video summit. According to the Chinese state-run Xinhua News Agency, the pair had a candid, in-depth, and extensive strategic exchange on issues including Taiwan and trade relations. During the meeting, the two presidents noted there was consensus on mutual respect and preventing competition from veering into conflict. In reaction to the meeting, former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger says that the virtual summit marked a good beginning for the world's two largest economies to avoid a conflict. However, the 98-year-old diplomat who paved the way for former U.S. President Richard Nixon's landmark trip to China in 1972, which contributed to rapprochement between the two countries, also said, quote, We are through the mountain pass on a precipice from which you can look in both directions. And now it depends which direction is chosen. Kissinger shared his views on bilateral relations at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum. And that's not the only China-U.S. news that's been making the headlines. Washington and Beijing have reached an agreement to ease visa restrictions imposed on each other's journalists in an effort to soothe tensions between both sides that led to Trump-era tit-for-tat measures against media workers. According to state media reports, the consensus was made prior to last week's virtual meeting between the two countries' presidents. Under the terms of the agreement, the U.S. will issue one-year multiple-entry visas for Chinese journalists and initiate the process to address the duration of stay issues in the country. 
State media reports have said that China will then issue equal treatment to American journalists after U.S. policies are in force, quote, based on the principle of reciprocity, end quote. As part of the agreement, journalists will also be able to freely depart and return to each other's country, according to the state media reports. Both countries would also review and approve visas for new correspondents in each other's country in accordance with laws and regulations. As a reminder, China and the U.S. have imposed tighter controls on each other's journalists since early last year, with limitations on their credentials, visas, and duration of stay amid deteriorating bilateral relations under the Trump administration. Turning to the last rumblings in the cryptosphere, China's top economic planning agency has offered more details about how it will fulfill its promise to root out cryptocurrency mining, saying that in the next phase, the crackdown will focus on industrial-scale mines and state-owned entities' involvement. A spokesperson for the National Development and Reform Commission said at a press conference last week that authorities will also prioritize the elimination of Bitcoin mining in particular, adding that the agency will also force crypto mining projects that currently pay residential electricity prices to pay higher rates as a punishment. According to the NDRC spokesperson, virtual currency mining features high energy consumption and carbon emissions and doesn't play a positive role in industrial development and technological progress. The spokesperson added that the risks derived from the production and trading of virtual currency are becoming more and more prominent, saying its development has a severe adverse impact on promoting high-quality economic and social development, energy conservation, and emissions reductions. And speaking of reducing emissions, in some major environmental news, China will establish a special relending facility of 200 billion yuan or over 30 billion dollars to support the clean use of coal. The move follows a carbon reduction support tool launched earlier this month by the central bank to help businesses reduce emissions of climate change causing carbon dioxide. These steps suggest that the world's largest greenhouse gas emitter is moving to reduce reliance on coal while trying to achieve its long-term carbon neutrality goals. According to the State Council, the loans would support cleaner methods of using coal, such as smart mining, more efficient coal-fired power plants, clean residential and industrial heating, and development and utilization of coal bed methane. According to a macro analyst at GF Securities, the 200 billion yuan of loans will focus on improving the efficiency of traditional energy as a medium to short-term tool and promote green development as China's economy still relies heavily on coal and other traditional energy. Meanwhile, the carbon reduction support tool focuses on development of new energy as a long-term mechanism. There has also been some exciting developments in global trade. China is opening its coastal shipping market to international capital for the first time after the government greenlit a trial to allow qualified foreign firms to transport foreign trade cargo containers between certain domestic ports. The State Council, China's cabinet, announced that it had approved a proposal to launch a three-year pilot program for the Lingang district of China's Shanghai Pilot Free Trade Zone. The move is said to mark the first time the People's Republic of China has given foreign capital access to coastal shipping between domestic ports. Firms outside the Chinese mainland 
have long been banned from shipping goods between mainland ports and from chartering Chinese vessels for slots. In the pilot program, qualified firms from overseas as well as from Hong Kong and Macau will be permitted to ship foreign trade containers between Yangshan Port in Shanghai and ports in Dalian, Tianjin, and Qingdao via the foreign-flagged vessels they own. Foreign companies have been calling on China to open up its coastal shipping since it joined the World Trade Organization in 2001. China is the world's largest exporter of goods, and all major global container shipping companies have foreign trade transportation business off the Chinese coasts. Now let's turn to the latest on the e-commerce giant Alibaba. The company has slashed its full-year revenue forecast last week while posting weaker-than-expected September quarter results. Or to be more specific, Alibaba reduced its guidance for revenue growth in the current fiscal year to between 20% and 23% year-on-year. The firm cited general economic fluctuations, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, changes in laws, regulations, and the regulatory environment, among factors that affected operations. It previously forecast annual revenue growth of almost 30%. In light of the news, Alibaba's American depository shares closed down 11%. In some other wild news, six people have been sentenced to jail over an April incident in which three leopards escaped from a safari park in a city near Shanghai. A local court in eastern China's Hangzhou found the zoo's general manager had colluded with two other managers to cover up the incident, dispatching staff to find the big cats themselves in order to avoid repercussions. The three managers and three other staff were convicted of violating safety rules and were sentenced to between 14 months and two years in prison on Friday, with probation terms not specified. As a reminder, back in April, three captive-bred leopards escaped from Hangzhou Safari Park while two zookeepers were cleaning their enclosure. Investigators found that zoo management concealed the incident and failed to report the case, choosing instead to search for the leopards to avoid a potential hit to the business. Let's turn to some news on the metaverse and to walk us through all of this, we've got Caixin Global Company News reporter Kelsey Chang back on the show with us. How's it going, Kelsey? Thank you, Kaiser. It's great to be back. So, Kelsey, let's start with a question that I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering. What the heck is a metaverse? A metaverse uh, generally refers to an immersive online virtual reality environment where users can interact with one another. The term was first coined in the 1992 novel Snow Crash by American writer Neil Stevenson. Another recent portrayal of a metaverse-like environment was in the 2018 film Ready Player One. I'm not sure if you've seen it before. Yeah, I have actually all that geek pop culture reference. Uh, that was all stuff from my age group, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the movie Excalibur. Great movie. Quoting Matthew Ball, a venture capitalist who co-founded the first metaverse-focused um, ETF, uh, that's Exchange Traded Fund, and someone who has res- written extensively about the subject, he, he, he says, Your Counter-Strike gun skin, for example, could be used to decorate a gun in Fortnite or be gifted to a friend on Facebook. Similarly, a car designed for Rocket League could be brought over to work in Roblox. For non-gamers, uh, this could mean a virtual experience where people can attend interactive events like concerts or try on clothing and shoes at digital storefronts. And as everybody might have already heard, Facebook announced on October 28th that it was changing its name to Meta, 
a move that indicates CEO Mark Zuckerberg's commitment to a concept uh, it has described as the next frontier of digital interaction. However, there are also very skeptical voices out there. Not everyone is equally enthusiastic about the concept as often described. John Henk, uh, the founder of Niantic, the company behind Pokemon Go, described the vision of this Ready Player One-like virtual world as a dystopian nightmare, suggesting that technology should be used to make core human experiences better and not to replace them. Now, if I can bring the China angle into this, how have Chinese businesses reacted to Facebook's moves? Yeah, the metaverse may not exist now. In fact, uh, uh, people are saying that it could take decades to materialize. The concept has exploded in interest during COVID pandemic as lockdown measures led to a surge in demand for online businesses and entertainment. Um, We've seen investment flooding into technologies such as uh, VR, that's uh, virtual reality, and digital imagery. Chinese tech companies and gaming companies, which is a key area for getting the metaverse up and running as they possess tools for complex simulation, have been jumping on the bandwagon and seen their valuations soar. Uh, so one day after Facebook announced its name change, uh, search engine Baidu filed trademark applications on the term meta app in the communication, scientific instruments, and design research categories. Earlier this month, the company released Xirang, um, which is a metaverse app. Uh, it described it as a metaverse app that allows users to explore virtual environments through smartphones or VR goggles. In late October, video game giant NetEase applied to trademark uh, a number of terms linking Metaverse and its AI and gaming units. And the concept is also believed to be the driver behind Biden's acquisition of China's largest VR headset maker, Pico Interactive, in August, as well as its 100 million yuan investment in Chinese Roblox rival ReWorld in April. Even the country's tourism industry is getting on the hype train. Last Thursday, local officials unveiled a Metaverse Research and Development Center at Jiangjiajie, where, um, where the National Forest Park in part inspired the design of locations in the uh, 2009 sci-fi blockbuster Avatar. The hype is also being reflected in China's capital markets. Out of the 75 metaverse concept stocks in the Asia market, um, 60 of them saw a rise last Monday, with 34 of them soaring one-day gains between 3% and 20%. For example, shares of online game developer Shenzhen ZQ Game rose by 420% from the beginning of September to a high to its high on November 11th. The company announced on September 6th that it was partnering with a liquor maker to develop a metaverse game where players can make spirits virtually and earn a real product. So it sounds like businesses are pretty excited by all this, but I'm sure many people are wondering what Chinese regulators, who have been rather active of late, we might say, uh, what are they making of this metaverse business? Yes, exactly. We think right now uh, companies are being kept on their toes as regulators play catch up. There have been concerns flagged over market speculation, data access, and national security. But while all that is happening, Chinese authorities appear to be taking a cautious approach, um, trying to attempt to strike a balance between regulatory control and the risk of stifling innovation. So, for example, the Shenzhen Stock Exchange sent letters to uh, 
two companies demanding them to substantiate their claims about metaverse development and asked if they were using the buzzword to boost their stock prices. At the same time, state-run newspapers, including Securities Times and Economic Daily, have warned about blindly buying into the metaverse concept, um, and quote, uh, which they call it a recently immersion immature concept. And on October 30th, a state-run think tank affiliated with the Ministry of State Security published a research note saying that the metaverse has potential national security significance in terms of technological hegemony and technological safety. But uh, despite all these signals of official misgivings, the world's biggest gaming company, that's uh, Tencent Holdings, remained optimistic, saying that it believes the government could come to support the concept. In an earnings call, uh, President Martin Lau noted that the regulations governing China's metaverse would be different from the global market, but he believes that Beijing is not fundamentally averse to the metaverse. The company actually views it as an opportunity to add to its existing game, gaming and social media businesses. At the same time, the country actually officially established its first metaverse industry group under the China Mobile and Communications Association that includes state-owned China Mobile and China Unicom. So based on the above evidence, uh, we still can't say for sure what stance the government is taking on the metaverse concept, uh, but one thing's for certain. Uh, players across sectors, includes, including chips, algorithms, computer imagery and display, as well as content producers, they, they must move forward together if we want to make this happen. Well, thanks, Kelsey, for this great overview. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Vincata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, then download our app or head online at caixinglobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.